0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we certainly want to welcome everyone here this morning. So glad to have you here. I know uh, we have some first-time guests, and we're absolutely delighted to have you here. Uh, I would like to let people know right off the bat, those, especially those who are new who haven't been here for a long time, what we are all about as a church. Because sometimes people say, what is that church all about? Uh, we're, we're on a mission, and that mission is to connect people to Jesus uh, and to one another. Like We just really believe that a relationship with Jesus is a, is a life-changer and it's a game changer and, uh, and then of course we just think it's really important that people do life together. Uh, life is richer when you do it together so that's kind of a little bit of who we are. I, uh, I wanted to say, that was the first time I saw the testimonies this morning. I thought that was a pretty powerful testimony, Dave, life transformation, Ryan. I As I was listening to Ryan, I was just thinking to myself, you know, you hear so many stories about maybe teens that have kind of gone astray and you know gone off the rails, it's still great to hear uh, stories of teenagers who want to do right and be right for the glory of God. So I'm very thankful for young ladies like uh, Ryan this morning. I also wanted to say thank you for those uh, who organized and helped set up Love Sarnia yesterday, uh, what a great time we had together, uh, people came, we had eight locations throughout the city, organizations that we partner with that we wanted to help and make a difference, uh, I, I went with a group, I met a lot of new people, I met people from the church I didn't even know, and we had a lot of fun just serving together, so thank you so much for all those who participated in that. If you missed last week, you may not know, we started a brand new series and we called it Samson, with the subtitle of How Strong Men become weak. Samson is one of the original bad boys of the Bible, and this series, as we said earlier, is really a series that is geared towards men. There's so much that we can learn from this guy uh, named Samson. Most of us, when we think of Samson, we uh, automatically think of a man with brute strength and and maybe a long hair. Uh, A similar look to that guy who acts in the movie Aquaman, uh, Jason... Momo or something like that. Like that's kind of how you look. That's how I think Samson uh, looks. But there really is so much more than just these two descriptions. You know, strong man with long hair. His story, in many ways, is the same story that we have as men. Men who have so much potential, but will often settle for something far less. And men, this particular series really is for us. I, I honestly believe that God has something very special for us over the next a couple of weeks as we go through this series together. I said it last week. I'll say it again. Ladies, wives, girlfriends, you'll be really happy uh, that your man is here uh, during this series. The story begins of Samson. It begins where Israel is in bondage, uh, but has been under uh, has been captured by the Philistines. or serving the Philistines. This has been going on for 40 years, 40 years. The Israelites have been in bondage to the Philistines, and they find themselves in that situation because as the book of Judges, we talked about this last week, all through the book of Judges, it says that men did what was right in their own eyes. Women did what was right in their own eyes. That is the story of judges. No one has anyone no one has to answer to anyone. If it feels good, well that was the motto of the day in judges then, hey, well let's do it. And because of those life choices, uh, they're living in bondage under the Philistines and, and there's this kind of a cycle that the Israelites you know the people of God have gone through where they kind of fall in the sin and they live in this bondage and they're slaves and all of a sudden they come to their senses it seems like and they cry out to God and, and God will send a deliverer and and they go and they and deliver the people and and they praise God and then after a while a pattern of life begins to slip and before you know it they're back to their old ways and this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years it's kind of a a vicious circle. That was what defined the nation at this particular time. That's what defined the people of God. And I sometimes often think that may define us in 2019, where we do what is right in our own eyes. Israel's in this situation because of some poor choices they made with their life, yeah, some sinful choices. So often we, we sow a thought and we reap an action. And we sow a, an action and we reap a habit. And we sow a habit and we reap a character. And we sow a character and we reap a destiny. That is what we know to be true about sin. It always keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. And it always costs more than we wanted to pay. Anyone know that to be true in their lives? You know, maybe you've made some unwise choices, and you find yourself maybe with addictions, I don't know, maybe drugs, maybe alcohol, or, or something on the internet, or maybe some lustful desire, or something that, you know, you feed your mind on, and, and it's just grown in your life, I guess the question I need to ask you, do you need to be set free today from that cycle of bondage? samson was born to a couple as we learned last week who struggle with a modern day problem and that's infertility and, and this particular time there was no hope for those who struggle with that I, I have some friends actually uh, back in, in maryland um, they they struggled with infertility they wanted children so bad and they had tried everything. They went to the doctors, the infertility doctors, and they, they tried every option, and after 18 years, it was like, okay, I guess we're not to have kids. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, not trying, all of a sudden, she found out she was pregnant. Well, you can imagine the excitement. And a month later, she went back to the doctor, and she, and she, she found out she was having twins. Well, they were so ecstatic, they were over the moon. And the next month, I'm not lying, true story, the next month she found out she was having triplets. Oh. Everybody at the church said, stop going to that doctor. <laughs> but they were so excited that finally they were going to have children. And that's the story right here. Here's uh, Noah or Sam's, uh, Samson's parents who have just struggled for years and had given up hope. And then out of nowhere, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and told them, you were going to have a baby boy. You're going to just imagine the excitement that they would have had. Just imagine the baby shower that was planned um, for Samson's mom. And then when, when the baby is born, the baby boy, they give him the name Samson. And Samson means sunshine. I've often wondered if, if Samuel's or Samson's mother was the original person who wrote the lyrics, You are my sunshine, my only sunshine, right? You make me happy when skies are gray. No? Okay. Let's come later on. In many ways... Uh, Samson has all the advantages in the world. He's from a good home. He, he comes from a, a home where parents love him and they pour their life into them. He has the looks. He, he perhaps has got a Mr. Universe a physique. He, he's talented. He's, he's intelligent. Uh, he's, he's courageous. He has leadership quality. He's everything that every girl wants and dreams about in a man. Every newspaper is writing articles about him. Every conversation seems to be leading back to Samson. All the church girls are ooh and an ah and over this guy called Samson. And his story is recorded for us in the book of Judges. In Judges chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 tells us his story. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, or some kind of electronic device that you can follow along, would you turn to the book of Judges? Judges chapter 13. If the Bible's a little bit unfamiliar with you, Judges is toward the beginning part of the Bible and the Old Testament. Judges chapter 13. 13 and as we continue to study the life of samson we are going to learn some insights as to why strong men fail how strong men oftentimes become weak failure for strong men is not just reserved for celebrities and people in the public figure It's for men like you and me. We all know someone or know of someone who was strong and talented and gifted and maybe even godly who fell into sin and just caused a lot of damage and harm to themselves and to their families. Well, Samson is is the last of the judges When we think of the word judge, we often think of a man you know, in a long black robe and his gavel in his hand, and he's the one that declares innocent or guilty. That's not the kind of judge we're talking about. Judges in this day were leaders. They they were uh, deliverers. They were the ones who would rally the the troops together. They were the ones that would lead the troops uh, into battle. But Samson is a little bit different because he's more of a loner. And he doesn't actually deliver the people. The Bible says he just began the deliverance. And in chapter 13, as we looked at last week, we discovered that Samson was a Nazarite. And a Nazarite um, from birth, lots of people would take the Nazarite vow, but it might last a month, maybe six months, for a year. But very few, in fact, there's only three recorded in the Bible, that actually was a Nazarite from birth and and there was three vows that they would make the first vow that a Nazarite would make and if you're nazirite from birth that means your mother while she was carrying you also um, kept these vows as well number one as a Nazarite, he wasn't to consume alcohol that means no cake parties no bud light no red wine after dinner and number two he wasn't to touch anything unclean or or something that was dead and number three he was not to cut his hair As a Nazirite, he had some of these boundaries in his life that were there to keep him safe, but he's also an alpha male. He's gutsy, he's daring, he's impulsive, he's reckless, he's he's carefree, and boy, it gets him in a lot of trouble. He just keeps jumping over boundaries that were set up for his life for protection. And he doesn't seem to be afraid of getting in trouble because he believes his strength would bail him out of any predicament. Sound familiar, guys? Our strength, our abilities will get us out. What is very interesting when you study Samson, it, it just seems like he squanders his potential you know, for greatness, uh, to be a leader. He squanders us all for reckless and stupid living. And we underestimate the danger that we fall into when we jump over boundaries. You know, we we only plan to stay for a little while, but then maybe something gets a hold of us and won't let us go. Samson is a case in point. Samson is just a fun-loving guy looking for some excitement. Really, what's the big deal about that? There's this popular saying, we talked about it last week, that men like to use, uh, and that phrase is, hey, I can handle it. I can handle it. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> I, can, I can handle it. Well, that's Samson's motto. And very frequently, it is our motto as well. I said this last week, strong men who have great confidence in their ability to handle things often disregard boundaries and they do it at great risk. Samson is a great example of disregarding boundaries his life starts off so well but then he's jumping over boundary after boundary after boundary and then later on we see him as a as a prisoner in the enemy's work camp and his eyes are plucked out and he's exhausted and stumbling and and falling and and the brunt of everyone's jokes at the end of chapter 13 maybe let me just read it for you in, in verse 24, of chapter 13, it says, The woman gave birth to a boy, and they named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed them, and the Spirit of the Lord began to stir within him. That's the beginning of his life. It's all looking so good from the outside. It looks like the perfect family. Samson is growing up to be a fine young man. Parents that are proud of him, proud of their son, proud of his accomplishments. But then we really get introduced to who Samson is in chapter 14. In fact, let's take a look at it right now. Chapter 14 of Judges. It says, And Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied eh, isn't there, isn't there any acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. I think of that as I read through that. Most scholars uh, think Samson be being in his early 20s and we discover, the first thing we discover, he's actually in enemy territory. Now, maybe if you think he's in enemy territory because he's kind of gathering information how to lead his people out of, under of the bondage, you say, great. But that's not why he's in Timnah. He went down to Timnah to kind of check out the Philistine women. I, I kind of picture him, you know, kind of walking down the street. He's kind of got a good look and... Maybe it's kind of giving a wink to some of the ladies. You know, a little smirk. Maybe has some pickup lines. Like like this one. Hey, are you an interior decorator? Because when I saw you, the entire room became beautiful. (laughs) Or maybe use this one. Are you religious? Because you're the answer to all my prayers. (laughs) Or maybe use this one. Do you have a Band-Aid? because I just scraped my knee falling for you. (laughs) Hey, I'm a photographer. I'm not a photographer, but I can picture you and me together, right? Hey, do you have a sunburn, or are you always that hot? Like, you know what I'm saying? This is Samson in enemy territory flirting with the enemy, and eventually he finds a girl. She's a good looker, and, and he wants her as his wife, and he's determined to have her at any cost, and so begins Samson's lifelong struggle, which by the way is every man's struggle, a sexual temptation, the battle with lust. We are, guys are wired in such a way that it always will be a battle to fight. And over and over again, Samson will battle this, but he loses. I'm not convinced he fights it with full intensity. I am reminded that lust can make strong men weak. You may be the best in your field. You may be the smartest man in the room. You may be the best player on the team, but lust can take you down. Sometimes we uh, I'll meet a guy who's you know just jumping from relationship to relationship, popping from one bed uh, to another. Or sometimes I'll meet a guy who's who's hooked up in all the traps of the internet that can take a guy down. And I really believe that God wants to do some great things in our lives, men. But the weakness that men have for sexual things is a tremendous enemy to your soul. So men, this morning, I wanna speak to you, man to man. Don't go to those places that will get you in trouble. Don't hang out in those relationships that will take you down. And don't have patterns in your life where you're alone and vulnerable to the things that will wipe you out. It's not surprising that Samson fought the battle because whether you're a custodian at an elementary school or the king who sits on his throne, it is a battle that every man deals with. And when you have been wired that way by your creator, it's no wonder that men struggle in this sexually charged culture that we live in today. I mean, it, just, it appears that single, uh, Samson is just a single guy trying to satisfy himself, maybe with a few little sexual pleasures and things. In fact, he will be forever linked with a woman named Delilah, that cute little thing in enemy territory. And everybody knows that story. It doesn't matter if you went to church all your life or if you've never darkened the doors of a church, you know that story of Samson and Delilah, and we'll look at that a little bit later in the series. Samson has so much potential, so much strength, but cannot control this one area of his life, and it takes him down. No doubt, in a room this size, there would be men who are defeated, maybe by sexual things, relationships, things that got a foothold in your life. And I really believe God wants to divert us from disaster that waits for us if, waits for us if we keep walking down that path. What is lust? It's something a man sees and he desires it. We usually connect it with something maybe sensual or sexual, but it doesn't need to be that way. It could be the lust for power, the lust for money, the lust for position, the lust for substance, the lust for things. Samson is a man with so much potential, so much going for him, but he throws common sense out the window. Throws it all out the window. If you read it again, in chapter 14 it says, I want it, I want her, now get her for me. It seems as though women, girls are Samson's kryptonite. That's the one thing that seems to make him weak. And you read through his story and you read it again and you read it again and I can't help but think, this is, this is, Samson. This is Samson, I want it, which is lust, I desire it, which is entitlement, and I can handle it, which is pride. Everything that he has been taught, everything that he ever knew, he just throws it aside. I'm a man. I want it. I deserve it. I can handle it. And when I read the story of Samson, do you know what I quickly think? I think to myself, oh, I could never be that stupid. Oh, I would never make a mistake like that. But when I say that, when those words go in my mind, I am haunted by a verse in the Bible that says, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he falls. Which says, Donald Calder, you are capable of everything that he's done. Sometimes I think I just well I just couldn't do anything that, that stupid. And as soon as I say that that verse comes to mind, be careful Donald what you say. Pride can take you down. Guys, we have so much potential. But we also have the capacity to throw it all away for something very reckless, very stupid. And Samson, he kind of flirts with the enemy by choosing a wife from Tina, a city in enemy territory. There's there's this girl, he likes her, and he just sends his parents to go get her. That's the one for me. I want it, I deserve her, I I can handle this all. It's that lust and entitlement and pride. Now, I don't know what it's for you. It could be a number of things. Hey, you know, you could just say, hey, I, I, I I want a nice vacation, I want the nice home, I want the fancy car, I want the boat, I want the new motorcycle. I, I want the four-wheeler. I can handle the payments. And before long, you find yourself spiraling out of control that you cannot get out of. Or maybe for you, it's like, I, I, I just wanted to take a look. I just wanted her to spend the night, just one night. I deserve a little bit of pleasure. I want it. And before long, we spiral Downward in a spiral of lust. But hey, I'm strong though, I can handle these things. Men, you know we have this gravitational pull to think that way. I want it, I deserve it, and I can handle it. Samson thought all of those things. And then his life ends in shambles. He has so much potential. How in the world does he end up with empty eye sockets, a prisoner in the enemy's camp as entertainment for, God, for people to mock him becoming the laughing stock of the city? Well, that's exactly what lust and entitlement and pride can do to a man. Somewhere down the line, I don't know, maybe you find yourself in your 20s or 30s or 40s or 50s or 60s and you begin to look back and you have these regrets, a life full of regrets, maybe kids who have gone off the rails or multiple, you know, maybe failed marriages or, or kids who won't even talk to you or friends who won't even have supper with you. Each one of us has this secret life. It's our secret thought life, an invisible life that is only known to us. It's not known to anyone else. The invisible thought life is much different than the life that everyone sees around us but it is the real us. The real us, known only by us and God. For some of us, it's, it's like another world in our brains. The visible world versus the invisible world. In Psalm 139 verse 2, the psalmist writes about God that you know my thoughts even before I think them. Oftentimes in our, our secret life, we have these dreams maybe of opportunities you know, that will make us famous or powerful, or maybe others have these fantasies of, of this chance meeting with a, with a beautiful woman who, who seduces us. Some of us have these secret images that if we were to be honest, if anybody ever found out, we'd be embarrassed by it all. And the thing with Samson, he does not just wake up one day and says, Trash those Nazarite vows. That's not Samson. He just gradually slipped into a pattern of life and created a series of compromise. And I'm sure every time he did, he said, I can handle it. I can handle it. I'm strong enough. I'm confident enough. I'm courageous enough. I can handle it. Frederick Beaton gave a great definition of lust. I love this. Lust is the craving of salt by a man who's dying of thirst. Now we can look at another man in the Bible, very similar to Samson, had so much potential, and he faced the exact same things as Samson. His name is Joseph. His story, of course, is found in Genesis uh, Genesis 39 this particular phrase is only used three times in all of the bible and it's described used to describe joseph it says he was handsome in form it says joseph was handsome and well built he was cursed with good looks he's well built he's got a chiseled face you know sculptured arms and legs it just doesn't seem fair And when you read about his story, you discover he's smart, he's innovative, he's a go-getter. He climbs the corporate ladder really, really fast. In fact, he gets to the top of the corporate ladder. There's only one person that's even higher than him. That's the boss. That's the guy who owns the whole company. That's the only person. In fact, the Bible describes that that person, his boss, only thought of what he was going to eat because he so trusted Joseph with all the other details of the business. And one day, it says that the boss's wife said, hey, Joseph, sit down. Have a cup of coffee with me. Joseph, let's talk about this over a glass of wine. Hey, Joseph, lie with me. My husband's away for the weekend. Come. Nobody will know. And it says that she did that day after day after day after day after day. To the point you expect him to be finally worn down, where he finally gives in. But when you read that story in Genesis chapter 39, what you discover about Joseph is that he runs. He hightails it out of there. He's not going to play with fire. He fled. Here's the question. How does Joseph handle this sexual temptation? What was it that caused him to have a different reaction than Samson. I think he cultivated a relationship that would not permit it. Why? I'm sure he'd be into thing. Why sacrifice a few moments of ecstasy for a lifetime of regret and shame? Here's the deal, men. It doesn't have to be a lifetime of regrets. It does not have to be. With God's power, no matter where, what, you, what you've been into, he can transform you. He can make you new. He can make you different. He can use you to make a difference in the world. You can be courageous. You can be that leader in your family. You can be that husband that God designed you to be. You can be that dad that children love to spend time with and talk to. And what I'm Slowly discovering and learning is a passion for God, drives out passions for others. We talk about getting the bad stuff out. Well, let me tell you, you get the good stuff in, it just automatically drives the bad stuff out. And honestly, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. And the more you drive that in, you may be shocked to find out all of a sudden it's gone. It's gone. In fact, you know, Jesus faced all kinds of temptations too. Think about that. Jesus himself faced temptation like every other man. It's very interesting. You look up in Matthew chapter uh, 4, I I think it is, um, when Jesus is faced with temptation. It's interesting how he responds. Every time he's tempted, he responds by what the truth is in God's word. That is his response. Knowing the word. My prayer for all of us men that we would come to the place and say, I want God, I need God, I want his strength, I want his spirit to convict me of my son. Some will say, they've said it to me, I heard it as a teenager, I heard it as a college student, I still hear it as a young middle-aged man. You know, Donald, you use religion and God as a crutch. You're so, you're so weak. And you know what my response is? Yeah, you're right. I am weak. That's why I need God. That's no secret. I'm weak. And I know we men like to act like all macho, like we're some superpower of strength. I want to tell you, those are the ones, (laughs) those are the ones that Satan loves to specialize in. Listen, men, Satan loves to make strong men weak, and God loves to take to make weak men strong. And our weakness, God's strength, is made perfect. When I was a teenager, I read a biography of a man named D.L. Moody. Some of you may know him kind of one of the great evangelists in the 1800s, 1800s, pastor of a big church in Chicago. And he said, uh, I'll never forget this. I'll read, I'll quote these words. He says, The world has yet to see what God can do in and for and through a man who is 100% committed to God? I've never forgotten that. And I remember when I read that as a teenager thinking, God, I wanna be that man. And that's my prayer for us men in this family that the world will see men who God will work in and through and for because we're totally, completely committed what God has for us.